This episode of the Random Realms with Rob podcast has been brought to you by Studio Headphones. Yes, you know, that was kind of like my announcer voice. I, I have many voices, but I um, the only one voice that I have that I'm currently using wants to talk to you about studio headphones. So go to studio.com and um, look at the different varieties of headphones they have, superior quality, fashionable, and you can get a 15% discount off already affordable headphones. If you use the promo code 3RSHOW15 at checkout. So you know what to do. Go to studio.com, use the promo code 3RSHOW15, and get you a discount. Get you some quality headphones. See, that was kind of like a movie announcer voice. But hey, you know what to do. And enjoy the show. You are now listening to Random Ramblings with Rock. To the R, O to the B, coming at you with the funny random rambling, talking about all the things that'll make that rain day sunny. Yeah, it's hot and popping, fireball dropping, come get your laugh on. Yeah, it's a concept, you know, he be rocking, robbing the facts and all of the gossip. It don't matter where you are or who you with, you gotta tune right in. Bring your girl into your girl to bring your friends, be Robbie Lid. Tune in your crib and your way back to your job. He got new shows every Sunday. What up, everybody? This is your boy, B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day or night or whenever you're listening to this to give my show a try. And I have a guest this week. Or whenever you listen to this, god damn it, I keep doing the date and shit. I'm sorry. But anyway, I have a guest. And this man is an actor, filmmaker, retired pro rugby player. And um, from what I'm seeing of his picture here, he, he's pretty tall and muscly. And he look like he can kick somebody's ass with ease. So um, my guest here on this episode is Mr. Keith Mason. How are you, sir? Well, that was quite an introduction, brother. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I'm good. I'm good, buddy. Uh, obviously, we uh, we spoke a while ago. I listened to uh, one of your podcasts, uh, Michael J. White. And uh, yeah, I just said, look, if you're interested in doing one, and uh, we both agreed to do one. Uh, obviously, we've got us times right this time. Yes. <laughs> uh, me, me, yeah, me being in the UK, you being in the US. Uh, but I thought, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting uh, I think it'd be a good a good podcast to talk about, and obviously the stuff I'm doing now, uh, and obviously me being a, a retired professional athlete uh, playing rugby league. Uh, now let's for, start right oh, there. Let's start yeah. right there because you talk okay. about interesting rugby is interesting to me, and it sounds like you're doing some rugby in the background right now. <laughs> yep. But um, how did that come to pass? I mean, was it something you were already? interested in or was it one of those things to where like hey my father or whoever played rugby now nah, i want to play rugby yeah so basically i'll go right back uh i was uh, born uh back in 82 i'm 36 now oh and shit we the same age what what, what year and month um uh, january capricorn okay all right i'll let you slide with yeah. that i guess <laughs> you older no, no we um i was born in march of 82 Okay, okay. So we're, we're the same year. Yeah, same yeah. year, yeah. It's a good year to be born for mm. movies anyway. Yeah. Uh, some great films made in 1982. Uh, but yeah, so obviously 
I'm from a town called Dewsbury in uh, West Yorkshire, and that's Northern England. And basically, rugby league is down the M62 corridor. So you've got your West West Coast, East Coast, as you want to call it in America, mm-hmm. which goes from Hull, it's Hull, all the way down to Wigan, St. Helens. So down that M62 corridor, it's all rugby league teams. And uh, basically, rugby league players pretty much grow up on, they grow up on council estates, uh, pretty rough. And obviously, rugby league was a way out for me. You know, my, my, my father who left my mum before I was born, uh, was a rugby player. So, you know, luckily he passed some of his genetics down to me, as in my height and, and my size and strength. But ultimately, it was my mum who, who took me to uh, rugby as a, a five-year-old young man. And uh, it just blossomed from there, bro. But, you know, being a young a young kid uh, with five, five brothers and sisters, Living on a council estate, so a council estate in in England is equivalent to probably the projects in in America. Yeah, does that, that, that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So from being a young man, uh, you know, it's a full of full of beans, full of energy. Always was a talent on the rugby field, uh, but off the rugby field, you know, I got myself in a lot of uh, a lot of trouble uh, with the wrong crowd. Uh, you know, not having that father figure about. And ultimately, from probably uh, probably ten year old to fourteen, fifteen years old, uh, I was in a lot, hell of a lot of trouble with, with the police. So basically, I go and play rugby, uh, I'd have a great game, and then I go back to my neighbor, neighborhood where I'm from, and I'd end up getting a lot of trouble, you know, uh, robbing stuff, feeding stuff, and getting into a lot of fights. And you know, I just I wasn't a bad kid. I was just probably naughty and I was just going through a phase of rebellion, rebelling. And over four, over them four to five years, believe it or not, I appeared at court over 45 times. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you, I like, look, end of the day, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat my career or all my life. I think all them struggles from being a young man, being in a lot of trouble, with the police having to fight my way out of a situation, uh, it gave me hunger. It gave me, it made me hungry. And being arrested probably over sixty times as a as a young man, uh, I just knew it came to a point. The point where where my life changed. I uh, went to Bradford Crown Court with a friend of mine, who I pretty much did everything with. You know, we got in trouble and we we uh, we were just like nemesis. You know, he, he was we were friends, but we were bad for each other at the same time because <laughs> because we bounced off each other. You know, he was a couple of years older than me. Uh, I was quite easily led. Uh, and lucky for lucky for me, Rob, is that I had a talent for rugby, and rugby ultimately got me out of that situation. So I always say in life, you know, you change by two things in life, and that's either through pain or desperation, and I was desperate to get out of the situation I was in. So back in the uh, late 90s now, I went to Bradford Crown Court. This was the last time I ever got into trouble, by the way. I went to Bradford Crown Court with my friend. Now, my friend was 16, mm-hmm. and uh, it was burglary. You know, we, we, we were going to court for, for burglary. I'm not, I'm not very proud of it, but, you know, I was a young kid. You know, I was very naive, uh, and I got pulled into quite a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have been in, but I got myself out of it anyway, as you know. But my friend went to jail, he got sent to jail, and I came out of that court that day, 
uh, and I, I got a two-year probation order. So basically, you have to go see a guy and speak to him about you know your troubles and what you're going through and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, for me as a young man, uh, being in a lot of street fights and not having that father figure there, yeah, I think that's what really uh, maybe I was t- trying to get attention, attention seeking, or looking for someone to take note. Uh, but I was always gifted, Rob. I always had that gift. I always had that that natural ability uh, as a sportsman. And when I came out of court that day, it was like something came over me. I mean, I, I hung out with a lot of my friends who were pretty much no dads about, uh, you know, getting into a lot of trouble. And uh, I just thought, I, I, I can't do this no more. I need to, I, I really need to stick to rugby. I need to give rugby one last go now because I knew my time was running out. As talented as a war, I was never disciplined. And, uh, so that that very day, I cut off all my friends. When I walked out of that court, I made a decision that I want to be a rugby league star. Don't ask me why, but it was in my mind. I thought, this is it. It's not your time to shine now. You've gone through all that. You've seen many stuff that children shouldn't see. And I was desperate to be this rugby star, this rugby, this rugby league player to get myself out of the situation. I didn't want this life no more. I'd seen people dying of heroin and, you know, the, the place where I lived, it was like a heroin epidemic at the time. And I just saw a lot of what a child shouldn't see. And I uh, stopped smoking weed. I used to smoke like a bit of, you know, a formula, a bit of weed with my friends. And I stopped hanging around on the streets. And from the very next day, Rob, I got up and I started running. You know, I turned my life around. Uh, I just knew that that that... that the life, what I was living as a young man, being in all that trouble, seeing my friends uh, going down that slippery slope wasn't the life for me. And the one thing I wasn't good at was sport and rugby. So uh, <clears throat> that year, I played for Jews in the 16s. We went on to win the league. Uh, I got picked for Yorkshire. And then from Yorkshire's like playing for your state, uh, I got selected for England schoolboys. So basically, I got picked for the best 25 players in the country. And uh, <clears throat> so we went to France. I think we beat France 56-6. It was a successful tour, uh, fantastic experience. I came back and there was me and one of a player wasn't signed to a professional rugby league team. Uh, So what I did, I went to uh, a club called Bradford Bulls. Uh, They didn't sign me in a uh, full-time contract. So basically, I wasn't in their plans. So then I went to uh, a team called Castleford Tigers. Remember, I'm, I'm around 16, 17 now. So at that age, if, you, if you're good enough to play rugby, you generally get picked up by a club and then you build yourself up to get in the first team if you get a chance. Uh, Castleford said no. Then I went to Leeds Rhinos. Uh, Leeds was a big team and I trained had a good pre-season. I've been playing pretty good rugby with them. And the coach was uh, Dean Bell. Dean Bell was a very famous ex-player. He, he captained New Zealand, the Kiwis. And uh, he played for Wigan. He also captained Wigan, which were a really big team in England. And he came over to me and he said, look, Keith, uh, I don't think we're going to sign you. I don't think you'll ever play Super League. I don't think you're good enough. So you can imagine, uh, you know, that kid coming away from all the trouble, being in the law, wanting to be somebody. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I uh, uh, he, he said, look, 
I'm just on this podcast down. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I'm just, he did say to me, look, you, you know, you'll never play Super League. And to me, I just thought, wow, you know, I've, I've, I thought I've done so well coming out of the situation I was in, being selected for Yorkshire, being selected for England. And now I've come unstuck. Everybody's signed. All these players are signed at clubs. They're all settled, all living the dream. And then there's me not being signed and then being knocked back. Not just once, not twice, but three times. And I think the resilience of me being a young man, changing my life around, uh, I, I showed a spirit what is not normal for a young kid at that age, uh, to stick to something and to stick to it no matter what. And somebody said to me, look, Keith, don't, don't quit now. Don't stop now. Don't quit now. Give it one more chance. And a team called Wakefield came in. Wakefield wasn't a really great team, but they were still a Super League team. And uh, I, I ultimately took the leap and I signed and uh, I signed for £6,500 and I went to Wakefield Wakefield I've, I've not won a game all year and I signed for Wakefield and we won the last 11 games now I don't I'm not going to say it was all down to me but yeah. it was just like you know you get knocked down you, 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 it's like it's like being an actor you know you, you, you've been acting for years and years and nothing's happened and you've been doing it for 10 years you've had all these side jobs and all of a sudden you become a star. You, you, you hit the mark. You have one good year out of 10 and then you're this big star. But no one sees that struggle. No one sees how hard you've had to grind all them setbacks. But what's developed your character, what's developed you as a man is the process of you trying to get to that certain point. And in the process is you've grown, you've, you've developed a resilience for all the knockbacks, for all the shit that's been thrown at you. You've developed into more of a man than you can ever be. So I always say, my saying is struggles develop strength and, and storms make you stronger. And uh, it certainly made me stronger, Rob. You know, I didn't give in. I signed for Wakefield. I made my first team debut at the end of that year at 17. So I played with the big boys like NFL uh, equivalent to America. Yeah. So I was 17-year-old playing against big grown men. And the next year, I had a full year with the academy. Uh, we toured Australia, we came back, I got the Players Player of the Year, got the Player of the Year, Man of Steel, I won all the awards, and I, uh, I, I made two first team, uh, I played two, two times for the first team that year. Then the next year, 18 went to 19, I played a full year in the first team. And that year, I was playing really well for a young man. Uh, I won the Rising Star Award in the comp uh, at the end of that year. And Wales gave me a call and, and said, look, we'd, we'd love Keith to play. When you're playing, we're playing tomorrow. So I have to make a decision whether to play for Wales or not. Remember, I'm England. I'm yeah. English, but I had uh, Welsh heritage. And Greg McCallum gave me a letter saying that if he played for Wales, it would not jeopardise my future as an England player. So I went down to Wrexham the night before. Uh, said hello to the boys, stayed at an hotel. Uh, and got selected to play against England. Now, England had a full team of superstars. The Wales team was like an up-and-coming. Uh, it's not really big in, in Wales. It's not really a uh, big rugby league area. And uh, there was only two or three players who were playing at a top flight. And I ended up playing that game. I got the man of the match in that game. I was 18. It was televised. It was actually beating England 26-10 at halftime. Now, that's unbelievable. And I went out there and I was putting big tackles in, big runs. And remember, bro, I was just a kid, man. I yeah. was a kid. Uh, and, and 12 months before that, I was being getting told by a great legend of a player that I'd never played Super League. Now I was playing international. 
(laughs) So I was playing for my country 12 months later against England. And from that game, I got the man of the match. It was was at Wrexham. We just lost to England, which was a big, a big, a big effort from us Welsh boys, uh, seeming the players that they had and the players that we had. And Melbourne Storm, who was the the premier team in Australia, the best team probably in the world, (laughs) they were watching the game and they saw me and they goes, we want to sign him. We want to get him. Now, think of it, back back in them days now, there's some star players from England who play in Australia now, but back in 2000, in 2001, there was no English players there, not one apart from Adrian Morley. But Adrian Morley was an established Great Britain international player by one. I was just a young, talented, up-and-coming, hungry player. And uh, ultimately, from that game, I got picked to play for England. So I went back to my normal rules. I went to play for England. We went to South Africa. Uh, we played down in Pretoria. And we beat the South Africans 106-6. I know it's a big scoreline. But, yeah, uh, the South Af- yeah, the South Africans are big boys. But uh, in rugby league, they're not very skillful. And put it this way, they were good for 10 minutes. They knocked us about. <laughs> they, were good for ten, they were good for 10 minutes and then they were blowing. Uh, they, were, they were sucking out of the backsides. And uh, so from that tour, uh, I signed for Melbourne. Melbourne came over, they paid a fee. They actually paid £100,000 to my old club. Uh, and I went to Australia and I'll tell you something, I went there a boy and I came back a man. I went there, I made the decision. To believe, to believe it or not, Rob, when Melbourne came in to sign me, the guy who said I was not good enough, Leeds Rhinos, yeah. they came back and their first team offered me a four-year deal. <laughs> yeah. So, so egg on your face, bro. It's like karma, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and be- because I didn't give in and, and I didn't listen to the coach saying I wasn't good enough, well, I wasn't good enough, no, because I went to play in the best, the best competition in the world, and that's Australia. So it's crazy, bro. I'll, I'll my life on 15 to 19. In the space of four years, I went from a kid who was just about to go to jail to a, a young man who was probably the best young player in England at the time as a youngster signing for Australia. The youngest ever English person, Brit, to sign for an Australian club and play. So I made history. All right, man, you, you, you've been going on and like everything you've been saying is blowing my mind. It's just like, you know, you come from humble beginnings all the way up to, you know, big leagues, achieving a dream, a goal that you set for yourself. Um, yeah. I had a couple of questions, um, you know, sitting back listening to um, your story and everything. The transition. I know you just pretty much kind of had a hard line to where it's like, hey, this is going to be your life or you can change and make a better life for yourself. Um, how hard was that transition? Cause I mean, you said you were running around with the wrong crowd. Obviously you might've been getting into some fights, some scraps and everything. Yeah. How was the transition from living that type of lifestyle moving mm-hmm. into, you know, the one that you set for yourself and being a, a rugby player? Well, to, to, to be honest here, bro, uh, the, the things I've seen, uh, and obviously my friend going to jail and, and me getting off. My friend was like someone, you know, he didn't have a father there. I didn't have a father there. And I always say that, you know, as a young man, you need to have like a man, a man figure in your life for you, some, for you, for you to look up to that person and think, yeah. So but I had a mom and my mom was wonderful. Look, she brought five kids up her own. She's a very strong woman. She put me into rugby. Uh, at home, my home life is good, you know, but it's when I stepped out the door 
you know, you got a young man full of energy, living living with kids. And I mean, a lot of my friends were a lot older than me. So I was easily led. I was full of energy, easily led, a talented kid. And when my friend got sent to jail and, and, and I, I just, it's weird, Ron, man. I just, it was like something spiritual came over me. Like to say, right, that life is done. You need to do what you were supposed to do all the way through. So sometimes in life you go off course. You go off course and you, you find your way again. And that's what I did. And I found that hunger inside of me. And the harder I trained, the more closer I got to be who I really am. And ultimately, I was up every day running. I used to cough up blood. I used to cough up blood. I used to run, I used to run that hard. Yeah. I, used to cough, I used to cough up blood, spit blood out. But I wouldn't stop because I just wa- I wanted to be this rugby league star. And you know what, bro? It fucking happened, but sorry to swear it, but it happened because I had this just obsessive belief that I would make it. And I was running away from my pain. I was running away from all the mess ups I did as, as, as them couple of years. But I was lucky. God, God gave me a, a, a gift as in my fitness. I could push myself to such extremes and be comfortable with it. And also, you match that with talent and strength and balance and coordination. Uh, and that's what got me to Australia, ultimately, bro. You know? Yeah. I just think if, if you just keep if you keep pushing hard and you push through. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, bro, no one, no one was pushing me. No one knew my journey I was on. There was the whole smoky. This is what I used to do, bro, right? I used to go down to a rugby field, to a football field, uh, and it was thunder and lightning. And I'd take a rugby bag down, and not a rugby bag, a boxing bag, and I take that bag on the field, right? Mm-hmm. And I would tackle that bag for two hours straight in a thunderstorm. I can remember this. And I was tackling that bag and I was thinking to myself, I would picture myself playing in big games in front, of, in front of thousands of people. And that's what got me through it. And people were like, what's Keith doing? What's Keith doing now? I'm there on the field. You know? And they, they tell me, they even tell me now, and they think, wow, Keith, you was right, weren't you? You were right. You said to us that you were going to make it, didn't you? And I did, yeah. You know, I, I obviously I played for 15 years all over the world and played in big finals. I played at Wembley and uh, at Twickenham, you know, all these big stadiums and won, won, won finals. But it all comes down to that young man, that hunger. It never left me. Yeah. I always tra- I always trained like I was number two, like I was a contender, and I still do now. I still do now with my career now in films, in acting, in charity work. I do, uh, you know, I do guest speaking. I speak to people about my story, and yeah. if I can Im- impact people through my story and help them, then that ultimately is giving back. And for me, that's the greatest gift of all. I mean, I, I will tell you about my partner shortly. Yeah, uh, she's she's paralysed my partner, and, and I met her and I helped her get back walking again and I've just I've actually just produced a film and it'll be shown in a couple of weeks in New York brother golly man see I mean we're the same age you're a couple months older than me and you know just from your story that I'm hearing I mean I I I'm kind of drawing a couple of parallels to myself. You say you played rugby for about 15 years. I just recently retired from the military for doing about 16 years in that so, I mean, you were training at a young age uh, to be a rugby player, while at yeah. the same time, I was a young man straight out of high school, straight into the military and yeah. doing, yeah. you know, 
not as hardcore <laughs> as you know <laughs> thunderstorms and the rain, but I've been in some rain <laughs> yeah. and everything, tackling yeah. you know a yeah. bunch of bullshit. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I can just it's, it's, it's the same. It's the same direction, but different. It's the same animal, but different direction. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I can remember being the same way. It's just like I didn't have, you know that rough of a childhood but at the same time I re- I never mm. really until the end like last minute was like alright mm. the military is something that I want to do I mean I come from a military yeah. family but yeah, I mean yeah. growing, up, growing up as a teenager I didn't think that that would be the thing that I do and um I talked to somebody um, they kind of mm. sold it to me. That's how you know you're a good recruiter. You can sell something to somebody. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I signed up, and soon as I got out of high school, I was on a plane. I was getting uh, beat up by drill instructors, and yeah. you know, making my way in um, my career as a service member. And just as you were saying here a moment ago about your public speaking and everything, and um, you know, mm-hmm. telling people your story. Yeah. I did yeah. the same thing toward the end too. Um, I went back to the schoolhouse. You know, everybody has a different job in the military, and mm-hmm. I went back to the place where I was trained in my job, and I became an instructor. Yeah. And we get all these young guys that would come into the military, you know, mm-hmm. choosing this field, and I would have to train them in that field. But at the yeah. same time, you know, the things that I didn't have coming up in the military like throughout my career mm-hmm. like in yeah. the beginning I didn't have nobody to give me you know the yeah. ins and outs to tell me hey you you was you was like your own inspiration when you yeah it was like I didn't have anybody to tell me but like hey when you um at the boot camp once you get to your duty station don't do this yeah. don't do that yeah. you know look yeah. at this so when I had the opportunity to be in front of those people that were in my position I felt yeah. compelled to be like hey man whenever you mm. finish this school and you go to your duty station don't do this yeah. stay away from this yeah. you know yeah yeah I took great so pride so, in doing so, so that man so, so you're so you're basically yeah you're giving back and you're saving these guys a lot of hassle and heartache by you going through that experience yourself and 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 pushing through and not having that guidance but now what you're doing is you're giving back because what you've been through you're serving and you're giving back to these young men to, to show them the right path yeah, and it's just like there's a lot of tropes involved with the military is just like <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if, if you're especially for I'm gonna speak for the guy aspect of it I mean I'm pretty sure the women go through it too but um mm-hmm. if you're a guy in the military you're gonna be married at least twice you know you're gonna have to have some <laughs> kind of divorce <laughs> you know yeah. you're gonna yeah. have to buy you know it must be yeah yeah you're gonna have to buy some kind of expensive car and get your credit out of whack you know it's just like so many yeah you know, and I tried to steer them away from that because I was that yeah. person, you know, they were talking about because yeah. I, I yeah. got a girl pregnant right out of high school. I joined mm-hmm. the military. Then that marriage didn't work out. You know, now yeah. I got these two kids from that marriage that, you know, I'm raising with my current wife. And, you know, I was those tropes for a moment. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to spare them that heartache. I mean, I love my kids, you know, but, you know, I tried to you know, teach them that, you know, I love you. You're here. 
because of what mm-hmm. I did. But at the same time, if I can give you the tools to make better decisions and, you know, better mm-hmm. set up, you know, a life for the time when you plan to have kids, you know, mm-hmm. that's what yeah. I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. And, and ultimately, I mean, you've had to go through a lot of mazes and phases to find your way. Uh, but now what you're doing is you're trying to get these kids to dodge all these mazes and phases and, and try to go down the, the straight and narrow. But ultimately, you've got sometimes you're going to let people live their lives and, and yeah. make their own mistakes, you know. And obviously, you saying that, you know, a lot of people in the service uh, end up getting divorced and then married again. And it's just it's just, it's just life, man. You know, yeah. you, I think your, tw- your 20s prepare you for your 30s, your 30s prepare you for your 40s and so on and so on and so on. I think for me, I have a growth mindset. So, you know, I still, I mean, a lot of, a lot of sportsmen when they finish playing sport, they're lost. They have a, they yeah. have an identity crisis. You know, they don't know what to do with their life. Uh, and ultimately, I, I retired quite, I retired on my terms. It's very rare because a lot of rugby players have to retire through injury or yeah. they've kind of over the hill. But for me, I did a film with Mickey Rock and, you know, I had this vision that, look, I'm still in one piece. If I put the amount of energy and effort into the films, as I did with my with my career, I'm sure I can do all right. And then obviously uh, the last last three or four years, I've, I've started knocking down doors and, you know, I've done about seven or eight films now and obviously uh, screenwriting films and, you know, being friends uh, with uh, Pinewood Studios and, you know, being making a film uh, – being made a film ambassador down at uh, House of Lords at Westminster two weeks ago, and you know, and I've got a, I've got an agent in Los Angeles. So, you know, I think what it is, the process is like building relationships, relationships with people in my field, as in like directors, screenwriters, actors, you know. And I think ultimately, me, me, I'm, I'm all, I was already a brand as a sportsman, but I've gone into a new, and I've had to learn from scratch. Uh, you know, as an actor, but ultimately it's about being kind. It's about working hard and finding people on that same mission as you who want to strive to be great, want to be better. And for me, I like to, I like to think that I make people around me, especially my close friends, better people. I want the best for them, you know, because ultimately if, if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't take care of nobody else. Yeah. So for me, I mean, if you look at my Twitter or my Instagram or whatever, you know, I'm up at 4 a.m., I'm at the gym, I'm, I'm training. Then I'm doing my, you know, I mentor young kids, young sports kids. I help them, uh, you know, get in, break into, into into professional teams in my spare time. And I do a lot of charity work as well. So, you know, I'm in a good place right now, Rob. I'm, I'm, uh, but it all comes down to just one thing, and that's discipline. And, yeah. uh, you know. I know because, like, right. um... I, I, I'm, I'm really feeling what you're saying about, um, you know, when people stop doing something that they've done for so long, you know, yeah. they're kind of lost in a way. I mean, I felt the exact same yeah. way. I mean, I've done yeah. military for 16 years. And when it yeah. got to the end, you know, I was yeah. like, well, what the hell I'm going to do? You know, I mean, yeah, I, I got a crazy. job. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. I got it's, a dec- not, it's, not, it's not great. It's not a good feeling. Yeah. I got a decent paying job right now. But like, mm. um, what I found is, you know, I've been away from it for about three years now. It's just like it's a rediscovering of yourself as well, because, I mean, you were yes, only that yes. one thing for so yeah. long. And now yeah. that thing is gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I understand that, bro. I understand that 100 percent. 
Yeah, because that's what this podcast turned into. It, it it became a journal, you know. It was just like I yeah. was this thing. Now I'm not that thing anymore. So now, along with everybody that listens, you know, they're redisco- re- we're rediscovering me together. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's 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 awesome, man. I mean, look, y'all over in America. I'm in the UK. We're sitting here. Uh, we've never spoke to each other. I mean, I've, we, we, we've spoke, uh, we've messaged each other, but it's so funny how you've been uh, in the service. Uh, and listen, man, I've got a lot of respect. I lost a really good friend in Afghanistan. He, he got blown up in a in a warrior, six soldiers, back in 2012. And to be honest with you, Rob, that absolutely killed me. But uh, I have the utmost respect for you guys. You are true heroes. Uh, going out there and sometimes fighting a war that you shouldn't be fighting. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm not going to go into any of that kind of stuff. But just for you to go out there and serve and to be disciplined and to be men and standing up for and, and to protect us, you know, protect your country is uh, I take my hat off to you, brother. Yeah. But I do understand when you left, when you left uh, what you've done for so long, for one, you have an identity crisis, so you think, "What am I now? What, what, what am I supposed to do now?" Uh, and two is, is is that thing you've got to you've got to find a passion, another passion. Uh, and ultimately, I think sometimes you just got to find that peace of mind. Uh, and I think all human beings. I mean, when I was playing rugby league, I was in a bubble. I was in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was, you know, getting well paid, and uh, I didn't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. But when I re- but when I retired. It's short. That's that's when life really hits you. It's like, wow, this is civilized life. I've been living a normal, <laughs> civilized life, but I'm not normal because I've been an athlete. I've been a, a guy playing in front of 90, 80,000 people, you know. And then all of a sudden, that stops. So for me, it's been a building phase, like you said. It's been a, a rebuilding phase the last couple of years. Uh, I've not drunk now for over twelve months, and I feel I feel fantastic. Yeah, I feel you know. Uh, discipline and for me to go on and, and achieve what I want to achieve in the film world uh, and just as a father as, as, a, uh, as a partner as a you know in, in my relationships I need to be the first the best version I can be of myself and that is to be disciplined and, and not slip because I can't afford to sleep if I want to be the best I can be I have to be getting after it every single day yeah. Whether it's training, whether it's studying, whether it's meditating, it's got to be something that's going to make me a little bit better than I was yesterday. All right. Now, back to the um, rugby stuff real quick. Um, all right. You, you've been in a fight before, right? In life, you know, before you started playing rugby, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of fights. All right. And I've known rugby just to be like a rough sport. Tell yeah. me the hardest you've ever been hit in a fight versus the hardest you've been hit during a rugby match. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, the hardest I've been in a fight, to be honest with you, I mean, I was, uh, I could look after myself as a, as a young man. Uh, I've always been able to, uh, what's the word? I can fight. I can, I can have a round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always fighting kids a lot older than me. I was fighting kids probably 15 years old and I'd be 11 or 12. Uh, I can remember fighting grown men when I was 12. So, you know, I was I was brought up kind of rough and rugged, like where the area I was from. So I didn't mind a fight. You know, if a fight was on, then let's get it on. Yeah. And ultimately, that gave me confidence in everything else in my life. So, but not as like, 
I'd be one, I'd be at school and, I, and I'd, I'd sometimes I'd befriend, you know, kids at school who had like special needs and problems. And sometimes if I saw a kid picking on that kid, then I'd go over and sort that kid out. Yeah. You know, and so I never, I never had a problem like, you know, being bullied or anything as a young man. I kind of bullied the bullies, if that makes sense. Uh, and it gave me confidence. So really... I didn't really, I mean, I fought kids a lot older than me, so it was all, I was always up against it, you know, a 15-year-old kid against a 12-year-old kid. The 15-year-old kid is always more developed. But uh, I think in the long run, it made me uh, tough. And as a rugby league player, you know, uh, if anybody anybody tells you, if you, if you asked anybody about Keith Mason, they'll say that he played very aggressive and that's how I played the game. I was, uh, as my coach called me, like an enforcer. So I'd be the guy who would be putting the big tackles in and then if someone was wanting to have a fight, I'd stand up and go, listen, get the ball and run at me, you know. So I never took a backward step. I was very competitive. And uh, so, yeah, I've, look, I've been, I've had a lot of wax. I've had a lot of wax in my head. I mean, I'm looking okay, thank God. But rugby league is a tough sport. It's probably one of the, it's probably one of the toughest sports in the whole world. Uh, it's, it's played at such a speed. Uh, I mean, if you want to watch a, a, a game of rugby, tune in next week uh, to the NRL, which is the National Rugby League Grand Final, which is in Australia. Uh, Sydney Roosters play Melbourne Storm. Now, watch the intensity in that game, and you will not believe it. And for 18 minutes, they're going hard. Uh, so, yeah, rugby league, rugby league's learned me a hell of a lot. I mean, uh, in my spare time now, I like to do Muay Thai training. I like to box. I mean, my really good friend of mine, one of my best friends. You just a rough dude, out. man. You what, bro? I said, you just a rough dude, man. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not. Listen, my missus just said I'm a big baby. Listen, I'm, I'm, when I'm at home with my family, you know, I, I'm, I'm like a big baby. You know, uh, I love my children. Uh, I've got four stepchildren, uh, two, two children of mine uh, with my partner. But, yeah, I just think, uh, you know, for me to to function properly, I, I get after it. I get in the gym, I work hard, I go to boxing, I go to Muay Thai, I do martial arts. I'm just preparing for a movie I'm shooting in, in Norway in, uh, in October. I play a boxer called Harry Masters, and I get blackmailed by some Hollywood producers to kill some guy. Uh, so, basically, I have to kill this guy to save my wife's life. Now, this is the first, my first lead in the movie, uh, and that's in Norway in October. So everything I'm doing right now is, is for my future. So, you know, me training hard and uh, being in shape, obviously, as an actor, my body's my tool, if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, so, and obviously, one of, my, one of my best friends, my little girl's godfather, is Joe Calzaghi. Now, I don't know if you know boxing, but Joe Calzaghi is probably... Uh, he's undefeated fighter, 46 fights and all, Hall of Famer, and he's fought the best super middleweight of all time with Roy Jones Jr. He actually beat Roy Jones Jr. Sweet. Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just I just think rugby league, and, and I never shied away from uh, competition, you know. Uh, if someone wanted to have a dust-up, I, w- I wouldn't be uh, scared. To be honest with you, I'm not scared of, of any man, uh, but my goal is, I, look, I can take care of myself. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good thing to know that you can take care of yourself. You go somewhere, you know, I, I've got a lot of respect. I've got a lot of uh, friends who are men's men who can have a battle, but they respect me. 
And I think if, you, if you're a guy and you're a man's man and you've got your shit together, sorry to swear in, if you've got your stuff, if you've got your, your, your kahunas together, then you don't have to go around and thinking you're tough. You know, you're just real tough men, a gentleman, I think. Yeah. Now, the transition from, you know, the, the lifestyle you live in to rugby and now from yeah. the rugby transitioning into the realm of acting. What has that experience yeah. been like? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, look, I played 14 years. I uh, I played near, nearly 300 games. Uh, I played in three Challenge Cup finals. I won a Challenge Cup final in 2004. I was 22 years old. We played in front of 80,000 people. Uh, and a Challenge Cup is like a Super Bowl, you know? And uh, it was just amazing to, to, to win uh, for my club, St. Helens. When I came back to England, I signed for a Super League team called St. Helens, which is a, is a super team. Uh, and we played at Rivals Wigan. And that was probably one of the best rugby league days of my career, of my life. Now, the, the reason why I got into acting, I played in a final, in a Challenge Cup final, 2009 at Wembley. You've heard of Wembley, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Wembley, Wembley Stadium. Yes. Anthony Joshua fought there last night. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Right, so we played there, we played in the final. Uh, unfortunately, we lost. Uh, we went to Park Lane. We, we had like an after-do. I was there, my mum was there, my son was there, Lucas. And uh, we got invited to Stringfellas, which is like uh, it's a famous strip bar or whatever in, in London. So I went to Stringfellas. This is 2009. So I'm stood in Stringfellas and I see this guy walk past me and he's got like a waist jacket on, long hair, really lean, and I'm I'm watching a film a couple of months before called The Wrestler. Yeah. And I see this guy and I see this guy called Mickey Rock. I'm like, this was Mickey Rock's comeback, right? Because yeah. Mickey Rock, you know, he movie. was the man. Yeah, he was the man in the eighties, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was Mickey Rock. He walks past me and I'm saying to my mate, who's a lot younger than me, that's Mickey Rock, man. He's like, ooh. So obviously don't know what Mickey Rock is. And I'm like thinking, <laughs> I, just, I just seen this. I seen it. I was sat at home and I'm watching this guy on the screen. And the next minute he's walking right past me. So I'm thinking, you know what? Sometimes I've been in situations and places. If you've been you've been in situations and places and you've met, and it's like you've been attracted to somebody. You just want to say hello to them. And then you say hello. Then all of a sudden it blossoms into a friendship. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it blossoms into a film career. <laughs> so I uh, asked his bodyguard, can I say hello to Mickey? He goes, yeah, sure, sure. So I went over to Mickey and I goes, hi, Mickey, how you doing, mate? Uh, my name's Keith Mason. And uh, I thought, your film are brilliant, The Wrestler. Yeah. Was that a bit like, and I said to him, was that kind of like your life story? Because I, 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 I did a bit of biography on him and I knew what he was like, or thought what he was like. And he says, what are you, man? Are you a gangster? Are you an athlete? What are you? Because we all had these suits on. We had these, yeah. we had these, we had these cup <laughs> final suits on, these grey, it was like a grey suit, a black shirt, black tie. I goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm a, I, I play sport, I'm a rugby player. He goes, I fucking love rugby, man. I watched it today on my hotel room. I watched it at Wembley, yeah? I went, yeah, that was me. He's like, oh, fucking great. <laughs> so it went from there to I was sat down and it was like it was a strip bar okay so he's uh, this, this woman was dancing she threw him a uh, she threw him a bra so he's got the bra and he's and he's got the bra in his hand and he's passed it like a rugby ball to me <laughs> yeah, I mean. so this guy's nuts and uh, so he bought me a drink he bought me, me, me and my friends a drink and then he bought us some pizza and then he called me over he goes come here kid come over come on he goes, listen, man, take my number, take my number. And I'm like, 
Really? Okay, Mickey Rock's passing these numbers, we're exchanging numbers now. So then his, his, his uh, stylist, Jack, uh, was with him. He, he was going, oh, give me details, give me details, Keith. So passing details, I took Mickey's number. He says, listen, I'm going to the GQ Awards in London in two weeks. He said, I'd like you to come. Why don't you come as my guest? So coming from a, from a low, losing in a, in, a, in a cup final, to now being invited to a, a massive film award in London by no other than Mickey Rock. So I said, yeah, cool, Mickey, no worries. So uh, that following two weeks, we had his uh, awards, the end of season awards, and I got the player of the year. I had a really good year, 2009. I got the Man of Steel award, the coach's player of the year award. And two days later, Mickey was going to the GQ award. So Mickey invited me, uh, my friend down there, and two other friends down to London. Uh, he, he, he booked me an hotel at Knightsbridge, which he paid for, for two nights, £400 a night hotel. Uh, <laughs> and then I went, and then, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? And then I went over to uh, the Royal Opera House. And Mickey was there with Guy Ritchie, Jason Statham, Eva Mendes, the Jacksons. There was all there. And I was there, suiting and booted up. And he won the Man of the Year. Jason Statham gave him the Man of the Year. So when the awards were finished, Mickey came up the escalator. And I'm still at the top of the escalator. And Guy Ritchie walks past me. I'm like, hello, Guy. You know, and uh, David A. walks past and then Mickey just comes up and I have my jersey. I have my plane jersey and I put from a plane jersey to Mickey and he just puts it on. So I'm walking around and Mickey's got my, he's got Mason on his back. Uh, and then Jason Statham, you know Jason Statham, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Jason, Jason, Statham, yeah, Jason Statham comes up with him. Uh, hey, Keith, you're right, Keith. Check hands. So basically, me, Mickey Rock and Jason Statham, we just parted all night. We're just living the dream, you know, and just like normal people, just like in a corner, having fun. Uh, it was just crazy, man. You know, getting invited. One minute I'm playing sport. The next minute I'm drinking and being pally-pally with Mickey Rocket and GQ Awards. It's just surreal. I don't mean to interrupt, but I just got to let you know about studio headphones. You know, go to studio.com, use the promo code 3RSHOW15 and get that 15% off. So, had to use my quiet voice and just, just didn't want to jar you with like, hey, get some motherfucking headphones. But just wanted to remind you, studio.com, 3R Show 15 promo code, 15% off. Yes. Uh, so after that, that kind of led into that um, the movie yeah, that you did together, it, the uh, skin trap. This was 2009, bro. So we didn't do his film until 2013. So it's four or five years later. Yeah. So Mickey, uh, about five, five weeks later, he flew me out to New York. I went to New York. I went to stay with Mickey in New York. Uh, he he got an escalator to pick me up at New York New York uh, Airport, JFK. Then I went to his house down in Greenwich Village. Uh, I got out the. I remember getting out the. I was driving through New York. I'm like, this is just. I cannot believe what's going on. <laughs> it's just bizarre, isn't it? One minute you're playing, you're playing sport. The next minute you're getting flown out to see your Hollywood movie star friend. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I went to uh, went to his house. He was, he was sat outside with his dogs and uh, brought him loads of uh, rugby gear over. And uh, we just we, we just I stayed at his house. I went to his house for five days. Uh, stayed at his house. 
Then I came back, and every time Mickey used to come to, to England, he'd give me a call, he'd be in London, I'd be up north, he'd go, come down, kid, let's go, let's, let's go for some dinner. So every time he'd come over, we'd go for some dinner, or I'd go see him, or we'd go to TV shows together. If he was on a TV show, I'd go with him. And then uh, he flew me out to Beverly Hills, so I went to Beverly Hills to stay with him. Just just bizarre, man, you know, just we just became real good friends. And I, and I can remember the night I met him, he had an arm wrestle with one of our players and he tore his bicep off his bone. Yeah. True, true story, right? He tore his bicep off his bone. And I can remember he was speaking to his bodyguard and he was looking at me and he just said, he started crying, right, Rob? Yeah. He had tears in his eyes. I was like, wow, this is a bit deeper. And I said to his bodyguard, what's, what's up with him? And he went, ah, it's okay. It's okay, Keith. He just said that you look like his brother. Man. And I was like, well, okay, that's nice. Well, why is he crying? Because his brother's, and he pointed up, his brother's dead. His brother's passed. His brother's Joe, who was his best friend, he basically said that I looked like his brother. And it, to me, that was very touching. And, and I still think to this day, why did he, you know, did, did he look after me? Did he become friends with me because I reminded him of his brother? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, Maybe, yeah. but... Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. Yeah, needless to say, uh, when I uh, talked to Michael Jai White, he didn't invite me or fly me nowhere, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think with Mickey, I think he looked up to me. I know it sounds weird because I was I was a professional sportsman, you know. And when I came to his house in, Bev- in, in, Hol- in Hollywood, in Beverly Hills, in Camden Drive, I walked into this big, massive house and he had a picture of me playing at Wembley in a final uh, on his mantelpiece. You know, so that, you know, it just, it's, it's just bizarre. And then obviously from that, he, uh, he's just a nice guy, man. But he, you know what? People say stuff about him, but he, he's not a high animal. He's actually like a, an athlete. He's very disciplined. Yeah. He takes his, he takes, he takes looking after himself very seriously. And, uh, we spent a lot of, a lot of time together. And, uh, you know, one day he gave me a call and he goes, look, do you want to be in a film? Skin traffic. Do you want to play my henchman? So I says, yeah, sure. And uh, went to London, uh, did a screen test, and did all my scenes with Mickey. And it wasn't just uh, I wasn't just an extra; I, I was a speaking role. So ultimately, you give him that opportunity. Uh, thank you, Mickey, uh, for doing that because it just it just lit up. It lit something inside of me, uh, and for that, you know, it doesn't happen to to to, to many sportsmen. Never mind people that you're going to meet a movie star and then he's going to put you in a film with him and then ultimately that's going to be your career. Uh, but I've been grinding hard, man. I've been working hard. You know, Mickey had given me no handouts ever since. You know, over the years I've learned to screenwrite and I've just done my comic, Ruby Book comic, graphic novel, which we'll talk about. Right but, uh, you know, so, sometimes in life, you know, you, 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 you're the right person at the right time. Uh, and, and if someone wants to give you an hand or help you out, like you're helping the brothers out, you're helping people out now, Get saying, look, don't go down that route, go down this route. And I think uh, if you put it out there in the universe, I think stuff, kind of stuff popping your way to help you out if you yeah. really want that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. But um, you, you alluded to it there. You, let's talk about that uh, graphic novel there, the comic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ruby, uh, Ruby Blood. So basically, this is the first ever Ruby comic ever been made. Uh, and what I did last year, I linked up with a guy called Preben Johannes, who's from Norway, and we spoke about doing a film together. Now, he's a writer, director, and uh, we came up with the concept of rugby blood. And obviously, 
ironically, rugby is in my blood because I've been playing rugby since I was a baby. Uh, you know, rugby league has brought me so many good memories. Uh, it basically made me the man I am, and it, and it, and it got me out of a situation, out of a, a pretty, as you know now, now, now you guys know that you know my, my childhood was very testing and tough. Uh, but rugby blood is uh, is something that we writ uh, a screenplay, and ultimately I sent the screenplay down to Pinewood Studios where they actually made the Bond films and, and Star Wars, okay. and uh, they asked they asked to meet me because like we, we, we love we love uh, the concept. Could we uh, could you come down and meet us? So obviously I sent a poster of, of of the of of the of the film, and people say that I've got a look at Daniel Craig, right? Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's funny you you say that just now because like um, I pulled up your Instagram so I could follow you, and here you are all yeah. chiseled up with your tan and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like I'm like a a big bulky uh, taller version of Daniel Craig. Eh? You could be a stunt uh, man. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, but so obviously I sent I sent, I sent that down to Pinewood Studios and uh, this was about a year about a year and a half ago now and since then uh, Pinewood Studios uh, made me the ambassador a film trust ambassador for the actual uh, studios so <laughs> I'm doing something right bro uh, so yeah they, they, they loved they loved the uh, the concept they liked the script but they asked me to rewrite the script they said look if you're going to make this film we'd like to make it between 2.55 to 10 million pounds and I'm just sat there gobsmacked because this is the first script I've done with, with somebody and a studio like Pinewood yeah. are interested in making it so for me well, hold on uh, I don't mean to cut you off real quick but like yeah, yeah. I'm just browsing through your Instagram and I, I come up to a picture it's the second one on your profile you got the gray yeah. suit with the red tie you do you is looking like a motherfucking Daniel Craig right now <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah yeah, that's the, yeah well that was the film I did with Mickey Rock okay. that was the film uh, that was skin traffic that's Gary Daniels behind me he put, he's, he's in uh, Spendables with, yeah. with Stallone mm-hmm. he's, 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 he's in the fighting scene with Stallone at the end yeah that was the film bro that was it. That was uh, the start of things know. to come. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I know another rugby player, uh, Sean um, Monahan, and uh, and yeah, he's a handsome devil too. It's like that's a requirement to be a rugby player too. Y'all gotta be handsome and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got nose, bro. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm a northern boy. Uh, obviously, I'm from good stock. I did all right. Listen, bro. I've nearly, I nearly play, played three hundred games. You know. Of, I've had scars all over my face. I've had, I had my nose broken. It was like touching my cheekbone, uh, and the guy had to snap it back in. So my modelling career was still on hold. We're <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, going back to uh, we we're talking about the films, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Pinewood, yeah, Pinewood Studios. So obviously, I've made some great contacts there. Uh, like I say, you know, building relationships up in the film world, which I, which I am doing now. Uh, but with Rugby Blood, the film, I just thought, you know what? Let's do something what can be more potentially done a lot quicker. And my friend Paul Roper, who's an artist, I got in touch with him. I goes, listen, do you want to do a comic? A Rugby Blood comic. So basically, we came up with the idea, uh, another great idea. It's the first ever rugby comic ever. So I'm making history again, brother. Yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so uh, 
the Ruby, the graphic novel is a, basically a teaser to Ruby, Ruby Bud, the film. So the character is David King. And what it does is basically an autobiographical portrait of my life as a young man and how this David King becomes a rugby league star. So I've given it away there, haven't I, bro? Give yeah, it away. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> you, just <laughs> well, gave us the whole, you just gave us the yeah. whole breakdown throughout this podcast. Um, yeah, well, it's all good. It's all good for you. It's, 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 I'm sending you love, bro. I'm sending you some love. Uh, so basically, uh, David King, it just shows you this young kid who's not on the right path and he has a mentor called Johnny Bronson. Johnny Bronson guides him down the right path uh, and this troubled kid becomes this rugby league star. Now, this rugby league star becomes like an entrepreneur. You know, he, he owns houses. Uh, he's a man's man. He loves his kids. He loves his family. He likes the garden. Uh, he likes to shoot guns and he likes to do martial arts. And in his spare time. So, David King uh, becomes a target for the Russians. So, in the comic, he's playing in a, in a cup final and he picks up the trophy and he wins the trophy and the Russians say, now we have our target. And that's where the comic finishes, and that's where the film starts. Ah, oh, see, I like how you did that there. Right. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, when I when I when I pitch this to sales agents and investors, when they watch when they read the comic, the graphic novel, it shows you how he becomes who he is. And then at the end of the comic, the film starts. The film starts with a big final, big rugby final, and ultimately, David King has to go save his wife. His wife gets kidnapped by the Russians. Then David King has to use all his strength and his powers from his, you know, his rugby. Uh, and obviously he likes to shoot guns and he does miss martial arts. So you put them two together, and what do you get? You get a blockbuster film. The guy who was, uh, you know, the next British action hero. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that like the whole setup for all that and everything, I mean, yeah, yeah. man. I mean, I, I dig it. I, I, I can't wait for the comic book so I can be preluded into the movie so I'm ready for all that <laughs> well I'll tell you what brother yeah I will uh, get you an address and I will send you one over in the next couple of weeks what okay <laughs> you gonna, can you, can you yeah. fly me over there so we can go to Mickey Rourke house and hang out too <laughs> hey listen I won't make I won't make you to play the bad guy in the film oh shit oh wait hey, yo, so maybe maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so yeah so obviously I've done uh, I've done films. I've done uh, I've done Killers Anonymous this year with Sam Hazeldean. I uh, played his instrument in that film. I've done Peaky Blinders. Uh, I've done some TV sitcoms over here. Uh, I'm doing a film uh, in October. Harry Masters. I play a boxer. Uh, that's my first lead in the film. Mm-hmm. And I've just signed up with an LA agency, uh, Los Angeles. So they're going to work on getting my either my green card or my own visa because ultimately bro I want to work in America you know I want to work uh, over in over in the States you know there's going to be a lot more opportunities from there and also bro do you watch something called Ballers with Dwayne Johnson yes okay well listen to this I'm writing an English version of Ballers but it's going to be I'm going to play like Dwayne Johnson yeah. as an agent but for rugby players word yeah, you like that? Yeah, yeah, I do like that. I'm just, I'm just right. I'm just like I say. I've got another friend who's coming from London next week, and we're going to be, uh, we're going to start writing the the pilot. And obviously, my friends at Pinewood Studios, I will take it down to them, and I will 
given the pilot and hopefully get it made into a into a series. Shit, that's what's so. Cool. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not just. Uh, you know, I'm not just waiting for people to give me jobs. I'm getting out there and, and, and I'm I'm producing my own stuff. You know, it's like being an entrepreneur, but I'm using my creative mind, uh, coming coming up with ideas. And not only the the rugby ballers is that me being an ex rugby league player, I can see a lot of underlying issues that need to be addressed in the actual in the actual TV series. What a lot, you know, a lot a lot of rugby players now are not educated there's, there's, there's not enough stuff for them when they finish playing because listen when I finished playing bro I was in a I went through a dark period man you know I, I think I was in denial I was probably I probably suffering from depression mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing my children uh, I didn't have a partner I didn't have that stability you know I had a lot of money yeah. I had a big house and a lot of time on my hands and when you've got a lot of time in your hands and you're not disciplined it can lead into uh not very good things, self-destructive ways. And, uh, you know, I've been there, bro. You know, I, I, I kind of, I had to die to find myself again. I had to kind of, you know, mess up and uh, basically rebuild myself back up. Like you said, rebuild yourself back up uh, and find that hunger because I just walked away from rugby just like it was nothing. And then I'm thinking I'm a long time retired. You know, but ultimately, bro, you know, in this life, you need, you, if you want something, you better have to go after get it. And first of all, it starts with yourself. It starts with taking care of yourself. Yeah. And one, good, one good thing I am good at is, you know, I have a gift as I'm physically fit. Yeah. You know, my my my, uh, my attributes and my physicality. You know, but not only that, you know, I'm 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 a compassionate guy. You know, I I, I my, my partner who I met two and a half years ago, she's paralysed. Uh, she had a spinal stroke. Uh, she fell down the stairs. Yeah. Uh, she was in an abusive relationship, and uh, she was left for dead basically. And she came to train with me. She gave me a call. Uh, she she got in touch with me on Facebook. You know, would, could you train me? But she never told me about her injury, and uh, she just said that she had a bad legs. Yeah. So when she got out of the car, the first day I trained Riona, she got out of the car and she was hobbling on these sick things. What exactly is up with you? She went, I'm paralyzed. And I was like, what? Are you walking? You know, straight away, I didn't think, well, she's paralyzed. I can't do yeah. it. But she was walking with, with the sticks. So yeah. first, basically, she's incomplete. So incomplete means that she's not fully complete. If she was fully complete, yeah, yeah. snapped, she wouldn't, she'd be in a wheelchair. But she can't feel her legs. They're numb, you know? Yeah. But So she's up on her legs and she's walking about. And uh, over time, I would, tra- I would, tra- I would training her, and then uh, our relationship built up, and then uh, you know I helped her, I helped her get back on her feet, and now uh, obviously Literally. two and a half years later, <laughs> it blossomed to a relationship. And you know what? We did a we did a story last year. I, I've got some friends in London. We did a story with Daily Mirror, and it went viral on YouTube. I think there was hundred million hits about our story. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but cut a long story short, bro. I've just finished producing our film called, uh, what's, that, what's it called? It was going to be called Define the Odds, mm-hmm. but now it's called Driving Force. So my friends in New York City who, who run the Greenwich Film Festival said, look, Keith, if you can uh, get a go from me page or fund the film, we will possibly be able to show you the film in Greenwich Village in this October. And uh, I got my friend, Darren Blade, who was a, who was a director, and uh, a composer, Paul Anley, to put the nice score to it. And uh, we've just done a short film 
short documentary. Uh, so I'm pretty proud of that, bro. And that will be shown in New York in the next couple of weeks. So if you want, I could send you the final cut so you could watch it. It's, it's quite inspiring, bro. Don't, but don't cry. Yeah, uh, please make me cry. <laughs> I, I'm down. <laughs> like right, right now, you t- you spoke about the YouTube and, you know, I I'm, I try to be a multitasker. I, I'm, I tried to pull up uh, the video you was talking about. But right now, I'm watching you uh, jump rope in a Speedo. So that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Never mind the speedos, bro, but the missus is paralyzed. So yeah, I think the speedo takes away what the actual video is all about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, okay, yeah. here we go. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a hot day. <laughs> yeah, I could believe but, it. Yeah. Yeah, but she's, a, she's, inspired. she's, she's an inspiration, man. And to be honest with you, I've took myself to, to other levels because I know when I'm training, I'm not training for me, I'm training for her because I know for a fact that my missus would love to be able to do what I do. She would love to be able to fucking run, you know? Yeah. And she can't, you know? So, and, and you know what, Rob, she supports me 100%. 100% you know, we've, we've met so many good people, uh, you know, in the film world. Uh, I've just met a friend called Max Garza, who's a guy who, who, who's, who's the founder of blockchain. And he's a big Bitcoin currency type of guy from yeah. America. Mm-hmm. Uh, real, real super positive guy. And uh, he's wanting to work with me. He's wanting to work with me with my films and my scripts. Uh, so, yeah, I've got some good people in, in, in my corner, bro. I'm getting a good team around, a good positive team. Uh, people who, who are very ambitious. Uh, you know, I've got the graphic, I've got the comics, comic guys around me. Uh, what I'll do, I'll send you some pictures over of, of the actual Ruby Blood uh, poster. Yeah. And the, and the guy's me, by the way. It's me. It's me on the front cover. <laughs> so I'm a comic character. No, so it's so crazy. You, yeah, you're making your own franchise, man. You're making your own empire. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's exciting, man. You know, it's just, you know, we never thought anything of it. And obviously, me, me being an excellent belief star, uh, you know, I, I'm well known in the rugby world, Rob. You know, a lot of people know me, who I am. And I'm the, probably the only rugby player on the planet who's doing what I'm doing regarding comics and, uh, you know, our story with, with Riona and making movies. Yeah. There's not, there's probably not one of a rugby league player doing what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, I always like to go against the grain and do stuff that no one's done before. But I feel at the same time, I mean, right now, I feel very grateful and blessed to be in the situation I'm in. And I always said this, look, enjoy the process, but not what the process buys. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the info for killers anonymous and man, look, we got Gary Oldman, Jessica Alba, uh, yeah, Tommy Flanagan right, yeah. in here. Yeah. So yeah. You got me that rumbling. Yeah. I followed you back, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. It just popped up. Yeah. You can watch me walk around Walmart. You like Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> podcast of Walmart so retired military member yeah no, you sound a cool dude man you sound like you've got uh, you know Americans are really laid back I think you know really laid back you know you know what I mean yeah but uh, I think I'll have to learn you know the American accent somewhere down the line because you know I'd like to do an American film somewhere, somewhere like what Tom Hardy does you know yeah like Brooklyn I don't know because like um I seen some of Tom Hardy's films. I guess, like you know, I know he does an American accent, but it, I I don't really recall it so much. But I'm looking at this Venom trailer that's that's keep popping up on my goddamn TV, and he yeah, yeah. he sounds like he touched in the head on these commercials. I don't know. It's just like the way they edit the um 
the way they edit the audio or whatever, but it just sounds like he, you know, he got a mental illness the way he's speaking. You know, it's just that I don't know. It just sounds weird to me. <laughs> weird, yeah, weird, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's got his own language, hasn't he? He speaks his own language. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. He's just, it's weird. Uh, he just talk, he's got his own language, you know, and you just know what you get now with Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, his first, his, his, if you look at his first hit was The Take. It was a four, four TV uh, series drama and I loved it. You know, I became a fan of him straight away because just of his intensity. Uh, and then he did uh, The Bronson and the Bronson, Bronson, what made him? But if you look, if, if you look, the five, six, seven, eight years before that, if you look at his films, Rob, they're terrible. They're absolutely <laughs> terrible. He's like he's playing like a he's playing like a minotaur, and he plays like this guy dressed up as a woman, you know. And, and it's, you know that's the thing, you know, in acting. Uh, even Idris Elba, man. If you look at the first yeah, ten years, I was just about to bring that up because, dog, I did not know yeah. he was uh, like British or whatever, dude. I heard oh, he's British. This is the best. They're from Britain, bro. The best. Yeah, they're from of Britain. course, yes, of course. I believe that wholeheartedly because now yeah. when I look at these TV shows and movies, I'm trying to figure out. All right, he can't he's be English. American. He can't be American. He act too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think you know, obviously, the acting and that you know, I've learned that. You know, obviously, learning your lines, learning your lines, and delivering your lines with 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 truthfulness, with honesty, and understanding what you're saying and where you're coming from. Uh, you know, not make it too difficult. But I think you know the good thing is is that for me, it's like bedroom acting. You know, I get if I get a script, I'll I'll read the script probably fifteen to hundred times. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go through it and through it and through it, and that's what it takes. It's just like going to the gym, working out. Yeah. Same with, with acting. You know, the more you do your lines, the better you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a skill that I've had to acquire and I've had to uh, work on. Uh, and, and I think with, with the acting side of things, I think you never stop. There's no ceiling to how far you can go. And that's what I like about it. I like to be challenged. And uh, it's definitely challenging. But it's something that I enjoy. It's something that I'm, I'm, I'm slowly progressing. You know, I'm very, I'm very self-aware where I am right now uh, as an actor. But I'm as probably far as I can be right now yeah. with screenwriting and, and doing the comics and uh, getting parts of films and, and just signing up with a, an agent in Los Angeles. So, you know, uh, I'm a big believer in patience and, yeah. and you know, by the time I get from A to B, in in between that time, I'm improving all the time. I'm getting better physically, mentally, and spiritually. Yeah. So you know, I don't waste my time. I don't I try not. To, I try not to waste my time anyway. I try to make out. I, I plan my day the day before. I write my to do list, whether it's you know doing monologues or you know let's 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 study a little bit more. Let's let's you know yeah. let's make these phone calls. Let's go to the gym. Let's you know. And I do like four or five things. Yeah. That are triple down on every single day. Well, you must have had and some then, time to kill today because you're wasting some time here. <laughs> no, listen, this is a pleasure. To be honest with you, bro, I'll tell you where I've been today. I've been to Swinton, which is in Lancashire, to play in a charity game for rugby leaguers. So I played with uh, rugby league legends. So I played with 13 other ex Super League players mm-hmm. who are retired now yeah. against a whole team, a whole team. So these players, this other team, are obviously. They asked me and Adrian Marley and a few other players to play, ex-stars. 
so when you play with these guys who have never played at our level, they're over the moon. Do you know what I mean? They're like, you know, I took loads of posters over. I took the Ruby, Ruby Blood uh, graphic novel over, you know, and I signed loads of posters for the kids. So it was a nice day, man. You know, people are like, hi, Keith, how are you doing? How's the films? So people are really enthralled in what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's nice. But obviously people are just getting to know about the the, the graphic novel now. And uh, so what, what I'm planning to do is, is, is to go to a few cities and do some signings yeah. uh, w- with the comic. And uh, have you got children? Yes, I do. Okay, well, I'll I'll sign uh, a couple of comics for you for you for your boys or your girls. Yeah, uh, one, to do that. one boy, two girls. Same one up. Oh, brilliant! How old? Uh, seventeen, fifteen, and eight. <laughs> wow, eight man! I'll, well, I tell you what, I'll sign. Uh, I'll I'll send you three over, bro. Oh, I'll sign a lot of graphic novels, so. No problem. Yeah, appreciate it. But oh man, uh, you know you talk about the acting thing and everything, and you just knowing what I know from um, chatting with you over this time period, man, I, you're gonna make it, dude. I, I believe wholeheartedly that you're gonna make it, or you're gonna at least achieve the goals that you set for yourself. And you know, I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah, I feel, I feel that, brother. I feel that. I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I I feel the same. I feel the same. I just I just I'm very aware of when my break comes it comes but in between yeah. that you know i just i'm just trying to be the best man i can be I'm, i know i'm i'm trying to be the best partner i can be you know i i, I, do, I don't take anything for granted you know I, me knowing i go to the gym and work out you know everything i do man i just i, I pray i think thank you lord thank you for giving me uh, the strength to come from my struggles you know when i retired it was a struggle it was tough, man. Yeah. But I said, my message to people out there is that, look, if you want something and something's worthwhile, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of peaks and valleys. It's going to take a lot of dark days because I believe you're going to go through maybe a hundred, a thousand dark days before you can hit a super light day. Like you, you, can, you, you can hit an home run because life's not about hitting home runs every single day, man. It's about building up to that one, that one highlight but the highlights worth than thousand dark days. You understand? Yeah, I do. Well, yeah. So it's like, for me, if I made one good film in the next five years, because my my happiness is not attached to being a you know like a a, a big actor. My happiness is is being being the being a man, being getting up, uh, getting after it, being disciplined, and ultimately that's you know it's got it's, it's that for me to for me being successful for my career is uh not putting corners and just you know ultimately just doing 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 the right thing and uh you know i'm very blessed uh to have people around me who are ambitious hard working have a good support team around me but ultimately i'm the driving i'm the driving i'm driving the ship and uh i can't like i say I, I take care of my body, man. I, you know, I can't afford to be having late nights and stuff. I mean, even this is quite late for me. It's 10 o'clock, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I just feel absolutely super blessed to be able to uh, even speak to you on this podcast. Uh, and I'm sure we'll do another one again, bro. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, but I, I can I can sense in your, your, you're very optimistic. You've been through a tough time yourself. Uh, you know what it's like when you've done something all your life and then you walk away. Uh, it's like, it's like, Sometimes in life, you cut something off yourself for, for you to move on, for you to grow. Yeah. As much as it hurts, you have to cut that off. But 
there's that grieving process. So the grieving process is when, when I walked away from rugby, I knew in my head I wanted to go into the acting because I knew as an actor I had to be on form. I had to look well. I had to be fit and I had to be healthy. So really, that's what dragged me. That's what pulled me and made me want to do it because to be an actor, you need to look good, don't you? You need to yeah. look healthy. You need to be fit and Basically, it brings out all the best disciplines in me. It makes me vigilant, it makes me focused, and it's a challenge for me, and I like a challenge. Yeah. I mean, with all that being said, man, I, I appreciate your time, and uh, I think this is where we put the feather in the cap. Um, yeah. Before you ride out, I mean, you've touched on a lot of different things, but um, yeah. tell everybody where they can find you on social media and your up-and-coming projects or whatever else it is yeah. that you want to plug right now. Okay, guys, uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at KeithMason106, uh, Twitter at KeithMason106. Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook, Keith Luke Mason, and my artist page is Keith Mason. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, I'm shooting a film, Harry Masters, in October uh, in Norway. It's my first lead in the film. I'm also bringing out Ruby Blood, the graphic novel. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, it's the first ever Rugby League comic, uh, and it coincides with the film Rugby Blood, the film, which I'm in talks now with with investors. Uh, I'm also writing, screenwriting the English version of Ballers, as you know, with Dwayne Johnson. So uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. And like I say, never give up on your dreams. Uh, your struggles develop your strengths, and storms make you stronger. And my saying is no sacrifice, no glory, guys. Stay strong, never give up, keep pushing on. And, uh, yeah, just uh, be kind. Be kind, work hard, and uh, I wish you all the best. All right. Words to live by. Uh, once again, uh, you know, as I tell everybody that's been a guest of this show, you've been here once before, and you're welcome to come back anytime for whatever reason that may be. Yeah, uh, one more thing. Uh, I'd just yeah. like to say a big thank you to uh, my partner, Riona Kelly and uh, Bella, Caleb, uh, sorry, Bella, Caleb, Logan, Lanara, my stepchildren, my two children, Lucas and Kalani, and a big, big thank you to my mom, Catherine Fallis. Uh, it's been a pleasure, bro, and uh, I look forward to uh, listening up. <laughs> yeah. And that was the amazing gentleman known as Keith Mason. A very positive episode. Um, if you took anything away from what you heard uh, whenever you're listening to it is um, never give up. You know, keep pushing towards things that you want the most, whether it's to be a better human being, you know, get that body that you want. Um, is it any other specific goals that you may have? You know, keep pushing and eventually it'll work out for you or you know, you can't fail if you don't try. You know, I mean, that may sound, I don't know, weird or whatever, but I mean, it's the truth. You can't say that you can't do something if you don't try to do that thing you say you can't do. You know, I can sit here and say, oh, man, I can't freaking touch my finger to my nose. That's <laughs> something very basic. And I, if I never try, you know. I'll never do it or never know if I could do that thing. You know, that's something very basic. Uh, probably I, I can't do a rap album or a mixtape. There you go. That's something that's out of my wheelhouse. I don't have the brain for that. I don't think, but I've never attempted to, I never tried it. 
So I can't say that I can't do it, you know? So look for my new mixtape coming out in 2019. <laughs> That's a running joke here at the house with Mrs. B. Rob. We be sitting in the car or whatever, listening to music. And she's like, I can make a better album than this. And I was like, well, why don't you do it? I know Sir John Lee. I know Bumpy 103, Zyme, a couple other artists, EVD. <laughs> we can put a mixtape in there. We can get some shit going. I know some people who know some people who know some people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and um, R- Renona Kelly, his wife, you know, look her up. She has an inspiring story herself. I mean, you got to hear, you know, his on the show, but just. Her story alone is some inspiring shit. I don't mean shit like in bad, but that's just how I talk. I'm sorry for cussing. <laughs> so just to have those two people, you know, with their past, you know, leading them to each other, you know, just everything he everything he's been through in his life and everything she's been through in her life has led them to a point in time and place to where, you know, they're together now and they got kids and stepkids and all kind of things. They got a great life together. I'm looking at him on social media. He's looking um, Daniel Craig-esque. He looks more like if Daniel Craig decided to make a life choice and put on pounds and grow in height and uh, become like the Hulk version of Daniel Craig. This is what this guy looks like. <laughs> Follow him on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I say it all the time. I even told it to him, I think, off air or whatever, but I like guests like this, you know, if you barely heard me throughout the whole recording and I'm not saying that's a bad thing or anything. I mean, that's what I enjoy. So, I mean, this is my show. So, I mean, I do it the way I want to do it. God damn it. And in the vein of that, you know, guests that I have on here that can talk and tell a story and keep you captivated and everything, give you some form of inspiration. Um, The episode after this one, um, I'm going to have a guest by the name of Sam McLean, no relation to John McLean of a <laughs> diehard fame, but this brother is loud and funny and just like his thoughts is just like, I don't say all the thoughts that are in my head, but I believe he says every thought in his head that comes to him and he says it out loud in a hilarious manner. So, uh, you know, enjoy this episode now all the way up until that episode drops next. So, I mean, you got two back-to-back just incredible gentlemen here give you some amazing stories and I just hope you're enjoying it, you know? I want to give a shout-out to a couple of people right now while I'm thinking about it. Dude on Instagram, he follows me, that fly kid on there. And um, he just appreciate your support i don't know if you listened to the show or not i reached out to him tried to get him on the pod he seems to be an interesting individual and anything like i said you can follow him on instagram at that fly kid and um you know i just appreciate the love he's been giving me on instagram i mean sometimes i open the app i see like 30 likes i was like whoa that's pretty cool and more than half of those will be him <laughs> so i appreciate you if you're listening um hit me up man we can uh, make some things work out also over on uh twitter Good old Nick Lubbers. <laughs> I think I I, 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 did, I never asked him voice to voice or whatever if I'm pronouncing that right. But I I know he's listening. Um, reason I know he's listening because he told me he's listening. And right now, I mean, I don't know where he is in his queue. But this this is the guy I told you about that um, listened back to the show from episode one all the way up until 
currently, as I checked him, he said he was on episode 95, and that was the Sanjay episode, the um, rapper from India. So big shout outs to Nick. I appreciate him. I mean, even if you follow him on Twitter at Nick Loves, that's uh, N I C K L U B B S. Uh, his profile picture is wearing one of my shirts. So, I mean, awesome. I appreciate that very much. I think I've already sent him some swag. I didn't even think if he got it yet. Um, and speaking of swag, plugs, 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 you can go to wehavemerch.com and um, you can get some of the merchandise. I got some stuff that I've been drawing up and trying to put together. I'm just discussing with my patrons or whatever. I mean, my little That's my focus group. You know, I ask them questions about the show, what, you know, people that I should pursue as guests, um, how they think things are going. You know, I just get a lot of stuff off my mind and um, I, I try to get their insights or whatever, because, you know, I appreciate them and you, I appreciate all y'all. I mean, that's why I'm doing the show. That's why I say thank you at the beginning of the episode to everybody before you even listen. That's why I say thank you at the end. You know, I appreciate all y'all for listening, you know, and the feedback is appreciated whenever I do get it. So, I mean, be interactive, be a part of the show. Follow me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk professional wrestling, any other general shenanigans, that's the way you do it. You like that seamless transition. <laughs> also, the show has its own Twitter. You can follow it at three R show. And if you're hip and trendy, you should be following at three R show two. That's T O O. Um, you can follow me on Instagram while I walk the hollowed halls of Walmart. And you can also listen to exclusive content behind the scenes on the Random Rounds with Rob podcast on the Lemur app, which is available for Apple devices and Android devices and Windows devices and whatever other devices. Is it on BlackBerry? I think BlackBerry has an app store, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I got a dude speaking of Blackberry they had uh, the Blackberry messenger and I met a dude you know some years ago I want to say about eight years ago through Blackberry messenger through Twitter and um, you know we friends on Facebook now we exchange uh, you know words here and there whatever and um, I seen a progression in this guy's life just knowing him from Blackberry messenger and everything it's just he was a entrepreneur i mean he probably still is um was making music doing uh graphic design and now um, then you know through facebook and just social media in general yeah i got to see this dude evolve into a family man dog i seen him with his uh what is now is his wife over you know through this past eight years you know see him meet his wife have his first kid and second kid and now I'm watching the kids grow. Matter of fact, I just seen him today as I record this on Facebook, um, bouncing into a foam pit at a trampoline place and <laughs> and whatnot uh, with his kids. So, I mean, the Internet is crazy, man. You know, without the BlackBerry Messenger, without Twitter or whatever the case may be, I would have never known this dude and you know, know this information that I'm just dispelling to you right now. You know, isn't that weird? Is that weird? I don't know, but uh, exclusive content on the Lemur app. Download that thing. Put it on your phone. I'm currently trying to get to 100 followers. Um, I, I spoke with the spokesperson over at the Lemur app. They're going to hook me up with something pretty cool or which I deem pretty cool. Um, if I can get 100 followers, I'm currently sitting at 58. So if you can help out the process, it'll be greatly appreciated. Go on over there and follow me on the Lemur app. Download that shit. Um 
You can go to randomrobcast.com, newly designed. I'm still working on some tweaks and things and whatnot. So you can go to randomrobcast.com and you can find different ways to support the show. Um, you can buy the merchandise from wehavemerch.com, which is a link on randomrobcast.com. Um, you can find uh, my Amazon links. You get a free Amazon Prime trial, 30 days. Um, use Amazon links. You buy stuff. I get a kickback. You don't pay extra. Um, what else? Um, Amazon wish list so you can donate equipment to the show. I really wish motherfucking get buy me a computer. I need to buy one because <laughs> this uh, secret facts through editing and whatnot. There's a good chunk of this episode that was like lost because of this computer that I'm recording on was fucking up. So, you know, it didn't I don't think it took away from the whole overall interview, the story and whatnot. And it was like a very small portion, something that you would have barely missed. So, I mean, still, I had issues. I had to delay this man's time in our podcast so I could fix this fucking trash ass computer. <laughs> um, And you could be a patron. Just like Brandon McIntyre, Glenn Abbott, King Ajar, Bob Hines, and Robert Cook. Did I miss anybody? That sounds right. That's three plus two. Yeah, that's five. Five of people. Yeah. So go to randomrobcast.com, click the patron link for on Podbean through the Podbean app and you know, be a patron. Support the show. Little as a dollar. That's the lowest I can go. I try to do fifty cent, but they don't go that low. <laughs> and um don't forget to get some of that hooks, rubs, and spices so you can rub it all over your foods, your vegetables, or whatever you put in your mouth. Um, hopefully, it's not a significant other. Although, if you listen to the Whatever Man podcast, they have uh, spoken uh, many different instances to where they may have or may not have put um, some hooks, rubs, and spices on their genital areas and went to bang town. As, uh, as Anthony Thomas would say. Um, so you can go to Etsy.com and search Hooks, Rubs, and Spices, and you can get 10% off your order, $10 or more. No, I lied. $6 or more. I'm, I'm, I'm upcharging. I might have been scaring people away. It's orders $6 or more. You get 10% off if you use the promo code 3RSHOW. So you can go to Hooks, Rubs, and Spices.etsy.com and, uh, Get that 10% off. Get them savory flavors in your mouthpiece and um, swirl them all around. Make your tummy happy. Promo code 3RSHOW. Besides all that, the you can keep all your money. You don't have to support me monetarily. But the most important way, the most important way that you can support anybody that's promoting themselves through podcasting, um, movie making, YouTube videos, Instagram, all that stuff. All those things that people do publicly, you know, the best way you can support them is to like, subscribe, you know, write reviews, leave comments, give that interaction, critique, critique one of the shows. I said core, career, yeah. however you say the word, you know what the fuck I'm saying. So all that stuff is free. All that stuff is appreciated. Get on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you can leave reviews, leave five star reviews, or if it's four stars and below. Leave that feedback. Let me know how I can make the show better or give me the opportunity to ignore you all the same. With that being said, hey, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, look forward to the next show and every show after that, because all the guests are awesome on this show. And I appreciate you for listening and I'll see you next time.